non-benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. Our beloved Dante Bosco can't be here today, and I know he's super bummed about it because he would love to be here for our fabulous guest. As you all know, Book 2 Earth of Avatar The Last Airbender introduces some super impressive, interesting, strong female characters, some of my faves, including the character our wonderful guest, Olivia Hackvoice. You know I'm talking about Ty Lee. Olivia, welcome to the show. Yay! Thank you for having me. We did it! (laughs) I'm taking small victories, and I'm starting with this big victory of we did it, and you're on the show. I love it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Uh, We were just discussing the fact that I was a fangirl who assumed you and I had met before when I finally met you at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, You don't remember us meeting before? I'm going to go ahead and trust your instincts because it sounds like I was a fan and I did that thing where you're like, no, 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 I know her. No, I know her. And then you were so kind and gracious and said, we're just going to pretend like we already knew each other. But I'm very proud of the fact that it must be a fangirl thing. What you said was you were like, we've met before. It's okay if you don't remember. So then I felt like a jerk for not remembering and I felt really (laughs) guilty and bad. But now you're confirming that maybe we didn't actually meet. So I don't have to feel bad about it anymore. It's possible because I love your work and I love the Avatar reunion that Dante and co organized that you appeared on. And I thought it was so wonderful and charming. And, you know, I may have just turned that into a full relationship. It's kind of Mandela effect. Yeah, the Mandela yeah, effect. You Mandela where one of me. us remembers one version of the past and yes. the other remembers the other version of the yes. past. I love it. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we did get a chance to hang a little bit at Emerald City Comic Con. That was a very, very fun group because you were there. Jenny Kwan was there. Dante was there. Dee Bradley Baker was there. I was there. So we had some epic group photos with various people who came in to celebrate the Avatar verse. And it was awesome. We did. We did, which is always my favorite. I love when they want to do like the Avatar pose and everybody gets yes. in their little like character, <gasps> you know, like I do my little chi blocking pose and Dante yes. gets very serious. It's so good. It's so good. It is so satisfying. I will say that is oof, one of the major highlights of doing cons is getting to do group photos with fans and with other actor pals who were also in the show. I mean, we were rotating around. They happen very quickly. So like your energy is just very, very high. It's like the most peppy I feel because I'm just all this wonderful energy is around me. And we see someone come in and they're wearing a Fire Nation t-shirt. And so everybody gets out and then Dante gets near that person. And then everybody and then D comes in when someone's wearing an Appa outfit and he gets the closest. And it is a blast. And plus, it was so great to get to be in person at all with each other, right? Because that was sort of that wonderful gap. Well, people always ask, you know, they say, did you record together? And really, no. I mean, I would record with Great Lyle and Cricket Lee, who plays May. But that was kind of it, because we're the Trinity, you know, we're this little posse. Yeah, so I had never met Dante until 10 years before at a con in Australia, And now I love Dante. I've done many cons with him over many years, and we have many stories. But yeah, (laughs) cons are just, you spoke of the energy. And there's so many people at cons where I feel like there's a lot of people who go to cons who do feel like disenfranchised or that they don't have a people or a a place. And that's really their community. And so for so many people, I feel like I get the privilege of meeting them on the best day of their year. You know, well, and so there's just this warmth and this energy and this happiness that 
I've never had a bad time at a con yes. just because of the people. Yeah, it's really magic that you get to be a part of that moment for them. I absolutely love that. And you've done a ton of other stuff, too, that people are big fans of. So you're probably experiencing different fandoms like Hey Arnold or... So the first time I ever did a con, and cons weren't as big as they are now, right? 10, 11 oh, years ago. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they've just exploded in the last few, yeah. what, 10 years. And they were. I got a call from my agent, and they were like, hey, you want to go to Australia for this Comic-Con thing? And I said, sure. And I showed up, and Dante was there, and they had us signing all this Avatar stuff. And, you know, when Avatar first came out, yes, the internet existed, but not in the iteration that it exists in now. Right. And so you didn't really know if something was popular. Oh, totally. Right? So you just go, like, with Hey Arnold, okay, we did a lot of seasons of that, so okay, I guess this is popular. And with Avatar, there were only three seasons, right? So I did it, and I kind of forgot about it. And so I'm signing all this Avatar stuff, and I look over at Dante. I don't know what I thought they brought me to Australia for. I think think I just (laughs) thought that I was fabulous, and then they wanted me to come to Australia. But I'm signing all this Avatar stuff, and I'm like... Dante, like, is this show a thing? And he's like, yeah, Olivia, it's it's a big it's a big deal, you know, or whatever. Um, Dude, you could just do Dante for the rest of this. Oh, God, Feel free I to ask Dante. yourself questions. We could trade off and be like, oh, Olivia, it's me, Dante. It's me, Dante. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> but you just didn't know, you know, you didn't. You didn't know. And now it's cool because we have the internet. And and that's the other thing at cons is seeing people come up when wearing all the merch. Yes. Because there was no merch. And now box lunch has taken over the universe. And there's just. I know it. I'm wearing a box lunch t-shirt right now. Of course you are. I'm wearing this painted lady t-shirt. I have this little Appa AirPod holder. Like, you know, I just. I know. um, So good. There was no merch. So now there's merch and there's the internet. So we know things are popular. You're absolutely right. The cosplay, the merch, all of that stuff. I have an Appa baseball cap that I wear just out and about. And it's like every person I pass is like, nice Appa hat. Like everyone knows it's such a conversation opener. It's crazy. In fact, I've used it in many situations to be like, you know, I do a podcast with Dante Bosco Prinsuko if you're interested in checking it out. <laughs> Side note. I know. I have to use that icebreaker <laughs> of my adorable Appa hat. But listen, I think it's perfectly fair for you to not have necessarily been expecting it to be Avatar specifically. I just want to dip into the past in live action for a second and say, I loved the Brady Bunch movies <laughs> so very much. They're so genuinely hilarious. And you played Cindy Brady. I can't think of a more perfect, loving tribute to a thing that was ridiculous that captures everything that was ridiculous about it, but also is like still thoroughly joyful and enjoyable and funny and warm. I mean, those are real accomplishments, those movies. It hit a certain tone that I think influenced a lot of stuff after that. Yes. And yeah, and it it is loving. I mean, it's all in good fun, right? Like, it's, it's very good nature. It's so clear that it's beloved. To me, it's so clear. The nostalgia of it and also, I mean, you know, it's like, yes, you're parodying something, but you're not overtly. Well, like, and the fact that they put them in the 90s was just kind of brilliant. And I loved it. And you were so great. I loved making it. And one of the reasons I think it's it's really fun is that we all had a really good time making it like that was really fun for all of us and it translates yeah yeah. it absolutely does you can tell and I feel like even just the stuff that you were able to record with Gray and Cricket the same holds true I mean you have one of the most vibrant characters in the entire series, including Korra. Like, Ty Lee is so specific. I don't feel like there's any other character that's that much like her. 
But to me, she's so iconic. Like, what a brilliant invention to have a character like her side by side with May and Azula, because it's such a dichotomy of behaviors, right? And yet it totally works. It's so good. I always say that Tylee is kind of like Boba Fett, where she's not in every episode, but when she shows up, you're really stoked that she's there. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. That's a great comparison. And those tend to be a lot of the characters that people do kind of remember and call back to and take pleasure in being like, well, my favorite character is Ty Lee. You know, you don't see her in every episode, but she's a gem. And she is. And that's kind of the fun thing about her. I mean, I, well, confession. So when we were recording... I didn't read the scripts, right? Because I showed up in season two. I'm like, Air Nomads, Earth Kingdom. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. You're not the only one to admit that. Don't worry. I don't understand. So I didn't know Ty Lee was a bad guy until, callback, that con with Dante 10 years ago. And somebody was like, what's it (laughs) feel like to be a villain? And I was like, what do you mean she's a villain? Because I just saw this character when they cast me, I think they'd cast somebody else because I dubbed to picture my first two episodes or something. So I just saw this like pink girl and I'm sure they explained it to me. I'm sure they were like Fire Nation, this, that, the other. And I went, but she's pink, right? Uh And so, (laughs) so I just played her pink and happy and whatever. I had no idea until literally like 10 years later when I saw her riding a giant lizard that she was evil. I had no idea. But she's not really evil. She's not really evil. It's hard to say there are that many fully evil characters on the show. I mean, I do think I can give that honor to Azula. I just don't know. I mean, even though we understand why she's evil, I don't think that her past explains away the evil. (laughs) No. And and when they do that, what's that flashback episode where they're all kids? Oh, the little chibis? Yeah. It's not canon because it's outside of the reality of the series because they're in like school together and stuff. But that was a great It's a great one. And she's evil then. So she's just a bad seed. She's born bad. Which I always those are the most fun characters where you're like, there's no redemption. There's no explaining it. Some people are just bad. And she's delicious. That's why she's so tasty. She has this incredible bending power. We've just had Grey on and talked about that fierce blue lightning and just how creepy it is and how we associate the color blue with the water tribe and these sort of really positive, strong attributes. And then you see her when that blue lightning appears in the middle of the redness of the Fire Nation. It is chilling. And I guess that's a good use of the word chilling, but it's maybe too punny. It's chilling like water (laughs) ice in the Fire Nation. The Avatar. My lucky day. But here we have Ty Lee. I mean, she's so key. And what a stunning introduction we have to her where she just immobilizes a bunch of benders and no one knows what's even happening. And of course, it's played for laughs as well as for shock. But it is very unnerving when this adorable girl just pops up and suddenly no one can do what they do. are you going to fight without your bending? (gasps) And do we ever really get to the root of where she got that from or where this chi blocking comes from? Or is it just kind of innately in her? 
That's a great question. But I think in the later books, you do get a little more history on Ty Lee and the fact that she had joined the circus. And I think all of the skills that she really perfects in the circus include that wonderful ability to defend with her chi blocking. But again, it seems so effortless. There are times where it seems like she almost can't be bothered. She's just so in control of it. And that's very intimidating. She is very in control of it. And yeah, that totally makes sense. The thing with her is that, and Suki's also in her own way, very mobile and dexterous. Um, yes. But, you know, there's always this kind of new theory that Ty Lee is of kind of an airbender descent. Oh. Have you not heard this? I don't think I have. Tell me oh, more. So it's a very popular fan theory. One of the things that they say is that she looks very similar to Aang, Um just kind of their eyes, their facial features, all these things. Um, and also her personality is one that is very Air Nomad-esque, which is very uh, bubbly and positive and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And then that she does seem to have this sort of defensive training that's very similar to what Aang received from the monks and that she does seem that she can manipulate air like an airbender, which is part of her like – in later episodes that I know you haven't gotten to yet, but kind of jumping around and flying around, which is not something, I mean, Sokka can't do that, right? Like, and he's right. also not a bender, but she does seem to have some sort of benderness to her. Yeah, if it gets explained away by her being very acrobatic and that that being part of her training, but if it starts to sort of morph into, wow, this almost seems like there's something else at play here. The one thing I will say about this I'm very curious about, and I'd love to hear from you all listening who may espouse this belief about a possible association with air nomads and Tai Lee, is I believe she comes from a family of seven sisters. They all look exactly the same, or they're all very, very, very similar. And so they all agree to do different things so that they are individuated and so they can all kind of get attention. Question. Yeah. We're unpacking all of this great information. And again, this is a brand new character. We've never talked about her on the podcast before. We've only just met her. And with some of these characters where you go backwards and forwards in time from when we meet them in the series, you just find out all of these tidbits about them that you would not know if you didn't read those books and comics. So anybody listening who's surprised by any of this stuff as well, know that you have this wealth of places to go to enjoy more stories. If you just haven't gotten around to it yet, I get it, but like, go for it. It's super fun. It's deep. I mean, part of what Mike and Brian did was, you know, they really created this world in that you can deep dive and that does allow for offshoots of other characters and all sorts of things. I mean, it, it's immersive, you know, it's cool. Do people ask you to do Ty Lee's voice when you're at cons and stuff? All the time. Well, I just do it. Because you don't sound like her. If, I, I'm, I'm saying that as an envious person because people say like, will you say something as Cora? And I say, oh, honey, we've been talking for the last minute. I don't really change my voice at all for Cora. I mean, I do a little bit, but it's right there. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not Dante level. It's not Dante level. It's still a little bit different. But with you, your voice is much deeper. You know what I mean? So people must just get so excited when you start doing it. You took the words out of my mouth because Dante does always be like, I'm I'm doing I'm doing the voice right now. I don't I don't really have, I'm not really a voice actor. I don't have range. But everyone who listens to the podcast is like, I feel like I'm listening to Cora and Zuko. So I can what do I know? I mean, they're right. No, people so. love it. And I think like Jack sounds like Jack. I mean, when I'm excited, I sound like Tylee. So like Tylee would be like, 
My aura has never been pinker. Look at me. See, I told you I was a fan. But so she's more pitched up. Yeah. I make that sound when I'm excited. When I'm excited, my voice goes up and... I drive my voice agent crazy because I always say like, well, I don't really do commercials. I sound too young, you know, and then I'll talk in this voice and they're like, yeah, (laughs) just use that voice. But I'm happy and upbeat. It's up here. So I will never be uh, the voice of a, of a product. It's, it's not my future. I wish. (laughs) I mean, it sort of makes sense too, with the on-screen stuff, you know, often we talk to people about on and off screen roles where we have this range in our normal vocal day, right? Sometimes we'll go really low, sometimes we'll go really high. And there are certain characters where you kind of find that sweet spot where you're just tapping into that one part, kind of like with characters where, you know, you sort of put forward, well, this is a really tough character on camera too. So you sort of put forward your tough guy face, your tough gal or tough person face. And Ideally, you're still pulling little pieces of yourself to kind of assemble this new character that's sort of a patchwork of stuff from the outside and then stuff that you already have that you kind of call up to serve, if that makes sense. For sure. Can you pitch up? I definitely can. And I feel like that is one thing that would happen during Cora. So what happened to you? I needed to do the reverse because I would get excited about something and my voice would get so high. And Andrea Romano would be like... Uh, Janet, yeah, that's not ever a, a range we're ever going to hear Cora do. Could you go ahead and bring that down? Wow, amazing. amazing. <laughs> She's never living up here, and I'm living up here a lot. But she kind of has to stay down here. How old is Cora supposed to be? She's a teen. Okay. So, yeah. She's a teen. Yeah, she's not so, she's not, look, it just happened. She's not so dissimilar from from Tylee. I think she's, they're right around the same age. 16, 17, yeah. Yeah. So you brought up Suki before, and that is this wonderful, comparable kind of on the quote unquote good guy side or the good character side, where towards the end of the series, you know, foreshadow report, we do see a lot of people kind of understanding one another and empathizing with one another. And we see people saving each other kind of across the board. And so we have the Kyoshi Warriors on the Aang side of things. And Tai Lee has these extraordinary powers also as a non-bender. And there is, I think, at least there was for me early on, a kind of sense of, oh, man, I'm sorry that they're on the opposite side of each other because I see qualities in the Kyoshi Warriors and in Suki in particular that I feel like Tai Lee, that would be an amazing pair up. And then eventually she does end up teaching the Kyoshi Warriors how to chi block and she becomes a Kyoshi Warrior herself, right? Wow. Foreshadow alert, Janet. Major foreshadow report. (laughs) One of the all-time most foreshadow reports. Wow. Okay. Uh, Well, then we're just going to do it. We're just going there. (laughs) It's such a huge part of her character. It's so hard not to want to go there. It is. So perfect. I mean, the thing with Tai Lee is that if somebody from the other side came and said, hey, join our side first, she probably would have done it. Ah, She's neutral. The only reason she's with Azula is, you know, Azula threatened to burn her to death. Yeah, that wasn't great. At the circus. Wouldn't it make it more interesting if you remove the net? Uh, the thing is, the performers... You're right, you're right. That's been done. I know. Set the net on fire. Of course, princess. Also, I mean, she does think Azula's pretty 
cool. I think that Azula probably encapsulates some qualities that Tylee wishes she had, which is Mm. that she's more forceful and whatever, which you do finally see come out during that beach episode where she's just had it with everybody, kind of being like, oh, you're so positive. Nothing bothers you. And she's like, listen, things do bother me. I'm not okay. So I think there are qualities probably in Azula that she wishes she had in terms of standing up for herself. That's such a great point. And isn't that true for us in life? Once again, you know, this show does such an amazing job of digging deeper into dynamics of relationships we can all relate to, where we have friends that we love being around because we sort of hope something they're doing rubs off on us. And likewise, to have a character like Tylee, there are many people in my life, and sometimes it's been me, where someone's like, gosh, you're just never in a bad mood, you know? And once that reputation begins, one can start to feel trapped in it. And so it's such an amazing episode. The Beach is just one of those, like, knock your socks off. I sound like I'm living in 1955. (laughs) Knock your socks off episodes because we get so much information in such a short period of time that just balloons out what we understand about all of the characters in that episode in such a dynamic way. And it's so cool. We have Ty Lee is just being fawned over by all of these guys. I love it. I live for it. She does accept that pretty comfortably, doesn't she? I live for it. I mean, to speak to what you were saying, like, it is interesting. And we do this in life. If someone puts us in a box, we run toward that, right? So if you're the bad kid, well, then you're just going to be super bad, right? Or if you're known for getting good grades, okay, you're going to put that pressure on yourself. Or if you're, like you said, you're known as being upbeat, okay, well, you got to fall into that, right? And we put ourselves in these boxes, which Tylee certainly does, I think. But the beach, going back to that, the beach episode is one of my favorites just because I love backstory. And I love origin stories in in everything. And so you get so much juicy backstory in that. And really what these characters are thinking and feeling. Because before that, they're just kind of ancillary running around and throwing down, beating some people up and being cute. And, oh, I also love the beach because I love – you don't get – awkward that much from that show yes yes and i feel so awkward watching azula like try and flirt it's so so cringy and i love that feeling when you watch something and you just kind of want to crawl inside yourself Uh um (laughs) and i get that there and tylee's trying to teach her how to flirt which is basically just like just laugh at everything they say and Uh don't ask too many questions and tylee's right it does work um Uh but not for long because you'll drive yourself crazy yeah it's a fun episode it really is Well, and I think to your point, and this is why this is one of those shows that that people go back to over and over and over again and why you keep getting asked to come to cons so that people can talk about their love of the show and their love of your character is that it is so fun after deep in a series, you get an episode like that. It's so fun to go back and watch with that information. You know, when you watch it the next time with this information about Ty Lee or Azula, suddenly you're wearing different tinted glasses when you're watching all of the action happen. And you feel like, I'm inside of this now because I know things. Totally. You know? I'm a big fan of having background shows and background movies. Like, I like having stuff, right, that you can just throw on. You've seen it, whatever. And Avatar is a great one for that, A, because it's streaming, but B, Uh (laughs) because, you know, you pick up different things on different viewings. And my 
favorite thing at cons is to ask people when they watched Avatar. Like, did you watch it as a kid or as an adult? And so many people watched it as a kid and then rewatched it 10, however many years later as an adult. And wow, did they pick up different stuff? I mean, absolutely. As a kid, like, do you realize that you're learning about holocausts and overthrowing governments and justice and revenge and all these things? I don't know. I mean, it's, um, to me, it's wild that that show resonated with so many kids as it did, which shows you, speaks to the fact that children have a much deeper understanding of things and a deeper soul than we give them credit for. Yes. And I think it also uh, resonated with so many people too, because for a lot of people, they're learning about spirituality for the first time Mm. or spirituality that is different from the spirituality that they grew up with, you know, and you're learning about energy, which I'm a big believer in um, and chakras and all that stuff. And it's cool. It's just very different from anything else that has ever been on TV since, I mean, you don't see a lot of uh, cartoons that start with previously on, you know, I mean, it's, it's, right. <laughs> it's very adult. Well, it, it mirrors Japanese anime in that way mm-hmm. most, right? That Mike and Brian understood so early in the kind of cultural wave of influence by amazing projects in anime that that could be done and that they had something to bring to the table. And I think about how young those two guys were when they started to conceive of the show. And it, it makes me physically sick in a very envious, like, appreciative, how old were worshipful they? way. I'm actually like in their 20s. No big deal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just, oh, I know. Being hurts, profound right? When I was like, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> There's know, still time, just... Janet. There's still time. It's amazing. <laughs> There's still time. I think I figured out the way to grow up and yet not grow up at the same time. And I will say this. This is a perfect reflection of that because I'm such a dork and I so enjoy doing these with our guests from time to time. I have a section, very short, a one question section called Cannon Fodder, C-A-N-O-N. And I'm going to give you some multiple choice. Wait, are we playing a game right now? We're playing a game. I love games. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Don't be too excited because again, it's a wonder and I wanted to make it really easy. (laughs) Put me in coach. Put me in coach. (laughs) This is a perfect example of is there a way to grow up without growing up? So here is in this and a shout out to Avatar Wiki on this. Well, I'll say some of this is utterly made up by me and then some of it is based on things that, that are in Avatar Wiki. But which of the following about Ty Lee is true. There are three things that are not true, and there is one thing that is true in this list. Oh, okay. Again, I must say, do not worry. You are in very good hands. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll hear about it right now. A, Ty Lee is the only person in the show who could see into the future. False. B, <laughs> so look, you've already eliminated one. B, Ty Lee is the only person in the show that Azula apologized to. C, Ty Lee is the only person in the show to eat fire ants. Or D, Ty Lee is the only person in the show to think Sokka was cute. It's got to be B, right? Is she the only it's person B. that Azula... <gasps> it's B, but oh. what an honor. What a dubious honor. It is honor. an honor. I wonder yeah. when that even... When does that even happen? Do we know? I think it's towards the end. I just read about it. And maybe you know this and maybe you don't, but there's a big... Like, people really ship Ty Lee and Azula. They call Ty Zula. Do you know about this? Yeah, Ty Zula, um, sure. People love Ty Zula, And then there's always kind of this blowback of people saying like, well, it's an abusive relationship. And 
we get into this thing sometimes with representation about like, well, we want to do representation, but we only want to represent the good stuff. And we only want to represent positive things and all this. And I think it's important to see all sorts of dynamics and all sorts of relationships, you know, and bad people, good people. Yeah, I don't know. So I kind of like Tyzula because, yeah, it's not healthy, but you know, she does eventually kind of stand up for herself and foreshadow report and come after Azula, you know, and take her power back in that way. So yeah, so why not? All the representation of all the dynamics. And agreed that once we're getting into conversations about that, like if you're going to ship anyone with Azula, good luck saying it's a healthy relationship because we're starting at the ground point of Azula. So you would you even ship with Azula? I mean, I like Tizula. I like Tizula. And I think the fact that, you know, she saw fit to apologize deeper into the story and the fact that she's, you know, Tylee's kind of the only one that can make Azula smile in a non-wicked way. You know, it says a lot. So I also totally support it. But I, I really appreciate what you said about this idea of seeing representation of relationships that aren't always the best either. And I think approaching that and being able to say, you know, how do we understand ourselves and how do we understand good situations that we're in? And likewise, how do we understand unfortunate or situations that need to change that we're in? So I think you're right. You know, we, we're, we don't know it unless you see it. That's what's so amazing about it. Exactly. Like, I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts and them talking about Sokka being a little misogynistic or whatever. And it's like, that's OK. Like, those people exist in the world. Yes, yes. Okay, I am loathe to wrap this up, but I do need to ask you as we get towards the end of our conversation, is it fair to say that you ship Tizula? I totally ship Tizula. I think it's important to like the community. People have reached out to me and The thing with all sorts of media is we take what we want out of it, right? And it's been seemingly important to the LGBTQ plus community that this relationship exists. And I think that's lovely. So take what you want out of it. It's yours for the taking. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And I think with the fandom, fandom in general, you know, there's no right or wrong. And people can sometimes like to nitpick or bicker online or whatever, but it's really, it's what you make it and it's what you want it to be. So take it and do what you want with it. But yes, I'm very pro Tizula. I love it. I love it. Now, if you were a bender, what kind of bender would you, (sighs) Olivia, be? Okay. I knew you were going to ask me this question, Janet. <laughs> it's a fair. I thought about it. Okay. So I'm very go with the flow, right? I don't like to push back. I believe that there's two ways to go through life. You swim towards something or you float. I'm a floater, okay? So I just kind of let things come at me and open doors and see what happens and whatever. However, I'm a little fiery, i'm a little wild i'm a little crazy yeah i'm probably a firebender i'm probably a firebender i want to be a waterbender dante is extra mad that he's not here right now (laughs) let me see if we can represent for him fire nation yeah that's right you're fire nation olivia i could have told you your fire nation were the best that's rough buddy (laughs) 
<laughs> I could just do Dante all day I long. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited that we have another firebender in our midst. And maybe there's a combination. Maybe there's like this sort of airy firebender thing where it's like you're a cinder. You're still floating through the air, but contained within you is the ember of fire. And it could land on something and set it aflame at any moment. Balance, baby. Right? I'm a Gemini, right? So it, it's... You, of course you're like an air and fire mix because those are so opposite, too. Yeah. I love Gemini's that. Are That's insane. very cool. <laughs> <laughs> like Azula. It's good. She's probably a Gemini, too. I love it. This has been so much fun. Olivia, please tell everyone where they can find you. Anything else that you've got going that you would like people to check out? Uh, we would love to celebrate all things Olivia Hack. Yes, yes. I am in the Persona 5 video game. Very cool. And yeah, and I'm on Instagram and all that good stuff. So come find me and come find me at a con because I would love to meet you. Absolutely. And again, feel free to say we've already met because I have tried that out. And Olivia is so nice. She will pretend like she kind of remembers. Yes. Uh, or at least she'll <laughs> say she's sorry she doesn't. That is what a good human being does. And, and I you love can her just tell me like, it's OK that you don't remember. <laughs> I'll beat myself up about it. It'll be great. Uh, so many more cons for us to do together and so many oh, pictures yes. for us to pose in. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. Next week on Braving the Elements, we're recapping The Swamp with Avatar fan and fellow Nickelodeon podcast host, The Perfector, Hector Navarro. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 